Hi there, and welcome to our program, Responsible Innovation 100. In this program, we will be spending an hour with an industry guest so that we can learn more about how they are driving responsible innovation in their respective areas of work. And today we have Dr. Vincent Block. Vincent is an Associate Professor in Philosophy and Technology and Responsible Innovation at Wageningen University. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is Great. also... <laughs> He's also the director of the 4TU Center for Ethics and Technologies Graduate School based in The Hague in the Netherlands. So for the next hour, we will be talking about one, the historical context of innovation and how it has evolved, two, the rise of responsible innovation at this particular point in history and what it means for business leaders, and three, how we can close the gap between responsible innovation research and its application. The wonderful thing about our guests is that they are always working on so many different projects. So I'm just going to hand it over to Vincent for him to briefly introduce himself and then we can get into the actual interview. Thank you very much for the opportunity also to talk to your audience and to uh, hopefully stimulate the audience also to think and to try to apply responsible innovation because I have to say that maybe that's an addition to the introduction uh, that you provided. I'm a true believer. I, I really believe that the way forward in our society is to engage in responsible innovation. I hope to convince you about that. But at the same time, we are doing a lot of research in the industrial context of responsible innovation. And then it turns out that it is a great ideal, but there are all kinds of problems that business leaders encounter that also hinder responsible innovation in practice. So I hope also with my talk today to contribute to this. Your peers recommended me to talk to you. They told me you have a unique experience between business and research. So I'm really looking forward to learning more from you. Yeah. I read a paper you published last year called What is Innovation? And it reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend of mine a few years ago. So once upon a time, <laughs> I was having a conversation with her and I was talking to her about responsible innovation. She asked me, what is innovation? And this is before, you know, I read your paper and did any research on the definition of, uh, of innovation. So I just said to her, innovation is the process of creating something new that provides value for society. Okay. And she looked at me and she said, really? Does innovation have to provide value? It was at that moment I realized, actually, the concept of innovation is often taken for granted. People talk about innovation all the time, but I don't think people sit down and actually think about what is innovation? Are people talking about the same thing and the purpose of innovation? So that's my opening question to you, starting from the basics. What is innovation? Uh, so yeah, that uh, your experience is uh, already a good starting point, I would say. Because I think that if you ask people in the street, what is innovation? People come up with the idea, innovation is a process, a process of developing something new, and it's a product. It's the outcome of this process of innovation. And these products we normally focus on, and that is an artifact, a new technology. I think that also if you talk with most of the people in the street, uh, they will say, yeah, the, the innovation is the invention of something new new to the world, like the first computer or the railway industry or the light bulb or, or that kind of things. That's an artifact. I think that is correct, of course. 
but uh, you uh, miss the dimension of innovation that is uh, why it is also a relevant topic. Maybe I can illustrate this with the example, for instance, of an invention like the light bulb. So we all agree there was a time where the invention of the first light bulb was an innovation. It's a new thing. It provides light. So it is an artifact uh, that can be produced, can be brought to the market, can be uh, dis uh, disseminated to the market, which also happens eh? because uh, even the light today is coming, stemming from this light bulb. But at the same time, innovations have a strange thing that they do not only concern this artifact, but they change also, I would say they change the world. For instance, uh, with this light bulb, it enabled people to work longer hours. It enabled them to work in the evening. It also provided the opportunity to have leisure time. For instance, before the invention of the light bulb, in the evening, it was almost impossible to do anything at home because then in your private room, it's dark, so to speak. So it is on the one hand, an artifact that brings light to the, your private place, but at the same time, it changes, let's say, very normal human categories like working time versus leisure time. Mm. And this is the type of impact that an innovation has. So it has an, an impact beyond the artifact. And maybe another example, which is also striking, the invention of the railway industry, yeah? so the steam train. The steam train is just an artifact like a water mill or a combustion engine, but in the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, it enabled the transportation of materials to a city center, the emergence of a working class, working class working in factories with these steam engines. The products are distributed with the steam train. So that shows that innovation on an artifact level impacts the world that is around it. For instance, the emergence of the bourgeois that competes with the nobility in the city center, the emergence of the working class with all kinds of tensions involved, uh, inequalities. So that is what we call sometimes the soft impact of innovations. And I think that if you want to consider what is innovation, it is this product level, but it's also this impact that it has on the world. Mm. So it's the product process and the yeah. ecosystem impact, correct? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I was super, I found really interesting was how innovation was in a way professionalized over time. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is also a great because I'm sure <laughs> that the, I'm almost sure that the, the audience will be surprised to hear that, uh, let's say before the 20th century, innovation was not really appreciated or something that is really something that's a big deal. If you look at the history of innovation, innovation was always associated with something new to the world, but it was negatively assessed. Why? Because in first instance, innovation had nothing to do with technology, but it had a political meaning. And the ideal was that we have a political order, for instance, the rules and regulations that safeguards an order in our society, and people appreciated the stability of the political order and innovation was a disruption of this political order. Therefore, because they appreciated stability and an order of a society, uh, innovation was seen as something bad, something that we should avoid in first instance. That changed over time, let's say since the industrial revolution, it increasingly was associated with technologies and with commercialization. So a shift away from this political dimension towards the level of the artifact, 
uh, from the social impact to the economic impact. But that is a relatively new phenomenon. For instance, uh, 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 Plato, uh, one of the famous uh, philosophers, of course, he argued that students should be excluded from uh, teachings in innovation. If you imagine that you are now working at, an, at a university, innovation is all over the place. The strange thing is that if you look at the history, in the beginning it was prohibited, while nowadays we could argue that innovation is a sort of panacea for all the problems that we have in society. I was super surprised to learn about that because I think all through so far my lifetime, innovation is seen as something that gives you advantage. Then I was also surprised that the first people to really help professionalize innovation was scientists, social scientists, and then the economists came in. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. that indeed, the, in first instance, innovation was associated with revolution. So that is already the, the political order that is, uh, that is overthrown by innovations. And, and for instance, in Europe, we had this, um, this whole reformation and then the Catholic Church blamed the reformatists, the Protestants, of being innovative. And that was a sort of, uh, hey, hey, guys, you are innovative, uh, so you are the bad guys. While then the Protestants uh, replied, no, 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 we are not the innovators. You are the innovators because you invented Rome as a holy place and the, and the Pope, as a, that is the innovation. And, that is a, and we are returning to the original. So we are not the innovators. You are, the Catholics were the, the, the innovators. And the, the name innovation was then a way to blame somebody for doing something bad. Much later, uh, as you indicated, the economist came in. Uh, Schumpeter was, of course, one of the first who saw the relevance of innovation for business and entrepreneurship. I think that you can easily say that he is one of the founding fathers of this idea of innovation as a way to provide competitive advantage, mm. uh, and as a core element in business life. And I think that leads to the next question, which is your view on why responsible innovation at this point in history? So innovation, of course, emerges both in public institutions like universities and in private institutions like companies, R&D companies. For instance, this is also what happened in history in Europe, at least, that the European com community is funding a lot of research. This research is paid based on tax money that is provided by taxpayers, so the public in Europe. I think that is also a reasonable question. If we, as a community, invest a lot of public taxpayers' money in research, should that public money then serve primarily private interests in the end? Or can we expect that this investment also serves society. Imagine the situation. Wouldn't it a bit strange if we as a European community invest a lot of money in genetic modification while our society is against uh, this mm. technique? If consumers are reluctant to buy genetic modified food. So is it not necessary that there in a way becomes an alignment between what are the societal expectations and the public investment? A responsible innovation is a concept that can help to align these two uh, aspects. So indeed, in the point of history that we are facing uh, grand challenges like climate change, uh, public health issues like corona, uh, aging of people in Europe, should we not expect from researchers, innovators, that they align much more their uh, research activities with the societal expectations? 
And, and that is where the concept of responsible innovation came in. Would you mind explaining the difference between ethics or business ethics versus responsible innovation? Yeah. So my colleagues here at the university, they are very honest to me if they see me uh, coming and they see me as an ethicist because they like me, of course, as a person, but they also think, oh my goodness, there's the guy uh, and he is against everything that I'm doing as a researcher. So, uh, Vincent, can you please help me to get the stamp for approval, ethical approval, as soon as possible? Uh -huh. So there is a risk, and it's not true, uh, but there is a risk that ethics is seen as very restrictive. Right? Ethics is saying what we are not allowed to do. We cannot make money with child labor. We cannot pollute the environment. So it's always a not. That's the way many people see ethics. And that's why I am in favor, fan of responsible innovation. It focuses much more on the opportunity side. So it's not about what is not allowed. It's about the question, how can we take advantage, also in an economic way, but also in a social way, of innovations, technological developments, in a way that serve both the business and the business model and uh, serve a societal goals. Mm. So it opens a little bit this more negative, restrictive understanding of ethics and highlights the opportunity that the alignment with societal expectations uh, provides. I, I think that is the, the key difference between the two. Mm. Then let's just say I'm an owner of a company and I approach you because I want to go to a, a, a expand my business into a different market and I want to be safe, right? I want to do be successful. So what will be the three questions that you would recommend me as a company leader to ask myself to start my journey towards responsible innovation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... So I will raise the question and I will also explain why I raised this question, okay? okay. So the, the, the first question is about motivation. So what is your motivation as a business leader? Is it the case that you are in the end only interested in profit maximization and the business is just a means to that end? Or do you think that the role of business in society has a broader meaning than just the economic role that you can play. And I think this is important because and we did, for instance, research to see to what extent open innovation practices. I think that your audience will be familiar with open innovation practices in which a company is not only on its own engaged in R&D, but is collaborating with partners, supply chain partners, uh, even consumers maybe, that this idea of open innovation can be aligned with responsible innovation. There are aspects of open innovation that can be recognized in responsible innovation theory and vice versa. So there is a possibility to align the two, but we have to acknowledge that the main difference is that the objective of open innovation is in the end to innovate and to serve the competitive advantage of the company, while the responsible innovation has this social and ethical orientation. Mm. And I think that the alignment of responsible innovation in business is possible, but you have to acknowledge then as a business owner and a business that you have a role to play in society, to be responsive to societal needs, for instance. So mm -hmm. that is the first question about motivation, because if there's no motivation, we can, I guess, <laughs> already stop.
The second question I would ask is, assuming that you are a successful business, uh, then I assume that you have what is called sometimes absorptive capacity, uh, namely the capacity to absorb new knowledge, uh, to integrate this knowledge in your company and to translate it in products. Mm -hmm. uh, that is an established predictor of uh, success in an uh, R&D company. And the question would be, do you think that you also have the absorptive capacity to absorb values? Because we are not only talking about knowledge, information that gives you a competitive advantage, but also, for instance, the values of your environment, the community that you are operating in, and whether you are able to absorb these type of values and integrate these type of values in your design. So that would, do you think that you have these capabilities? That is something then to work on. And the third question, so maybe I can frame it a little bit different. I assume that your, your audience will be familiar with one of the ways to understand economic activity is by taking advantage of an information asymmetry. You have information uh, about a product, for instance, the sales price of the product, your customer doesn't have this information and you take advantage of the fact that you have this information. So economic activity is sometimes understood as the, as the exploitation of an information asymmetry. And you need this also, and I acknowledge this also. But if you look at responsible innovation, responsibility also means being transparent to stakeholders, for instance, about your plans, about the products that you are making or that the things that you are working on. So that means, formally speaking, an information symmetry yeah, because you have to share the information. And the question is then, are you willing, yeah, because it's, you don't want to be transparent with, with regard to all the information that you have because then you're losing competitive advantage, but are you willing to keep information asymmetries but at the same time share information? Because only if you share information, stakeholders can reflect on your purposes, can, for instance, criticize you saying, hey, you are not taking responsibility or this is a way to better take responsibility. So that would be the third question that I would raise. Great. And you mentioned about capacity, capabilities to absorb, right? Do you think companies are actually ready, really ready for responsible innovation? And what capabilities do they need to do responsible innovation? Yeah. <clears throat> so what is the, uh, how we frame, let's say the, the challenge of a company that wants to engage in responsible innovation is that currently what we call an economic logic, an economic way of thinking about product development and marketing, a purely economic orientation is dominant. And if you, want to engage in responsible innovation, then in a way you have to open up or allow the emergence of a social logic, as we call it then, the fact that you are not only there to serve your own interest, but for instance, also the interest of society. You have to be willing to adopt to a certain extent, and that can be different for sectors, for world regions, but to adopt an economic and a social logic in your company. And you have to acknowledge that there will be a tension between the two. So if the social logic dominates, then you are bankrupt. 
if the economic um, uh, logic uh, dominates, then there is no response to innovation. Hmm. So you have to allow to accept the tensions between the two and to navigate between these tensions. And one of the ways that to do that is what I indicated as this, uh, let's say, value absorptive capacity, the capacity to, to become more aware, perceptive of values in society, not only translate, for instance, knowledge provided by universities in new products, but also the knowledge provided by uh, the community or stakeholders of, like an environmental NGO, for instance, to translate the things that they think are important, to translate it in a way in your products, and then become, that is what we call them, become responsive towards the societal needs or societal desirable aspects of your product. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering the roles within organizations, so the product manager, the CFO, would those roles need to change? And do companies need to create new roles for the social aspects you mentioned before? Yeah, so uh, that is an also a very important and difficult issue because one could argue, hey, Vincent, we have a CSR manager, a corporate social responsibility manager in our company. He or she is representing this social logic next to the economic logic. So uh, what's new? <laughs> it's great that companies have a CSR manager, but uh, we have to acknowledge that corporate social responsibility is often not happening at the primary process of a company. So for instance, if I take a social responsibility, for instance, a bank who decides uh, not to engage in the weapon industry anymore, that is a, taking a social responsibility mm-hmm. or do not provide loans to fossil fuel companies. That is a corporate social responsibility type of activity which is, I would say, and I would frame as a sort of secondary or tertiary activity of the business. It is not related to the primary process. While if you consider an innovative R&D company, then the money-making machine is concerned. So innovation, and so CSR is often not directly affecting the money-making machine. It's a secondary process. Uh, for instance, uh, philanthropy uh, or that kind of activities is also corporate social responsibility, while responsible innovation really concerns the design, the technology design, the primary process. And this process is highly investment intensive. So it's also a risky business. The innovation costs a lot of money. There's a lot of risk involved by sharing information before the product product enters the market because the computer can take advantage of this information. Mm-hmm. So it's a highly sensitive process that requires also other types of skills, I would say, or, or capabilities of a manager of the social logic that is a little bit different than the CSR manager because it is it has to do with this sensitivity with this high pressure of the investment and the necessity to have a return on investment. So that is making the main difference, I would say, while at the same time, if you want to take responsibility in innovation, the idea is that you should not do that by the end if the product is ready, but right from the start, if you start to design the product, uh, you already have to take this responsibility issue into account because it's part of your opportunity recognition process. Mm. So I've noticed that some, especially a large tech companies, they've now got responsible innovation teams 
some of them, I see that they've described what they do in the day and they talk about having a ethics, I guess, principles, list of principles that they go by. And they talk with their team about the ethical issues of technology. Is that how you, you would envision how responsible innovation would work in practice? Many R&D companies have informally or formally a sort of stage gate process. So there's a process in which you have a lot of ideas and your only objective is to get from hundreds, hundreds ideas as soon as possible to the one idea that you want to exploit. And implicitly or explicitly then in this process of 100 to one ideas uh, or one product and product, you have stages in which you take a decision whether to move forward or you stop the exploration of, an, of this opportunity. And you can imagine that in this process, you have, of course, the assessment of a technical feasibility. We want to make something that solves a problem, but if it's technically not possible, then we can get rid of the idea, so to speak, mm -hmm. and we concentrate on another idea. You have a commercial assessment. If the product price will be too high, uh, that nobody can buy it uh, or want to buy it anymore, then we can also get rid of the idea. So during this innovation process, we continuously look at economic and technical feasibility. And you can imagine that in this process, also the responsibility dimension is taken into account. So next to the fact whether it's technical feasible, you can say, is it also societal desirable? Is this what we want? Mm -hmm. And to give an example, that is, a, I have to say, that is a research example. We are working on right now uh, about artificial photosynthesis. And so you know that photosynthesis is, is the energy provider. It would be great if we have an artificial photosynthesis to take benefit from as an alternative source of energy, a green energy. In the development, we are now in the starting phase, the research phase of this development. You can imagine that many companies are interested, for instance, fossil fuel companies are interested to buy patents or to collaborate. At this beginning stage, it provides also opportunities to think about a decentralized energy system instead of a centralized energy system. In other words, as soon as you, in this innovation process, make decisions about to work together with Shell or another large uh, fossil fuel company, you open opportunities, but you also close them off. So that is the reason why in the beginning already you have to think about these um, aspects. Companies face lots of commercial pressure. People are much more sensitive about putting the brakes on innovation, right? But then again, if we take into consideration the social impact of innovation, it logically would help us to be more successful when we do actually launch into the market. Why do you think it's been so hard for organizations to do responsible innovation? And what needs to happen to make the process easier? So we did also research to look at the barriers for companies to engage in responsible innovation. They have to do with this aspect of competitive advantage. And you can best, I think, uh, frame it in terms of this information asymmetry. If I want to make money, then in a way, from a very theoretical or formal perspective i need to keep information asymmetries and that means that i have internally and of course i can share information with a supplier in an open innovation process because then we both have an interest in the benefits that come out of this sharing of information 
But if I share information with an NGO in animal welfare or in environmental issues, and this NGO is, for instance, critical about my innovation activities, then this NGO can look for the public, a newspaper, a website, share the information about what I am doing. It's a legitimate goal of a company to shield off the innovation process to take advantage of the fact that you are the first mover, for instance. It is also the case, I think that also your audience will recognize that uh, many companies are engaged in several options of the innovation without knowing yet which of the innovation will enter the market next year. That means that you don't want NGOs or other people to share information about a would-be innovation, which is not even on the market. So that is also a thing. And, And then the investment. If I invest a lot of money in a new product that I have, uh, that I need a return on this investment, and if I share this information with NGOs for other st- stakeholders, there is a risk that I'm not fully in control of this process anymore, while it is highly uh, investment intensive. And you have a tendency to say, okay, guys, uh, I like to talk with an NGO on a general level about, for instance, what is responsibility in food products or in in social media. At a general level, I really like to talk about it. But as soon as we really talk about one application or one product that I'm developing, I want to take control and to be in control. And these type of things, so high investment intensity, uh, the need for intransparency to keep competitive advantage, protecting of your intellectual property, That is the first aspect of hindering factors, why they are not engaging in it. Mm. Another aspect, uh, I hope that uh, your audience also recognize this. This is also one of the problems with sustainable innovation. And that uh, that is what we call low consumer awareness. So if you are taking responsibility by making a product more sustainable, but your consumer, your customer doesn't care or is not aware that the product is polluting, for instance, Mm. yeah, uh, then it also doesn't add value for them. Mm. So that means that from an economic perspective, you think, okay, I add value to a product and my customer wants to pay for the added value. But if the customer doesn't recognize the added value, then it's also not willing, not necessarily willing to pay the premium on it. So that is on the consumer side, a problem that companies that are willing to engage in responsible innovation have to deal with. Hmm. I was going to ask you, so is there a less obvious area that we we should invest in, in driving responsible innovation, but then maybe consumer education maybe is one? What do you think? Uh, so there is, there, there is of course, uh, yeah, that is a broader question about, for instance, uh, circular economy, uh, new developments that we have in Europe, but I assume also in your region. We tend to focus on the hardware. So we have a product, for instance, a cell phone, and we want to make it circular, or we want to make it modular, for instance, to make it more easily recyclable. We tend to overlook the social aspects, namely is the consumer willing to engage in this type of behavior? Recycling, for instance, is potentially great and is is potentially responsible. 
But if you look at it from the hardware perspective and do not take the social aspect into account of the consumer that has to buy the product, but also to hand it in, because recycling is only possible if there is also behavior involved that the consumer is after the end of life of the product is handing it in and then it can be recycled. These type of social aspects, but also the normative aspects, indeed, uh, consumer education, if you talk about uh, responsibility, if consumers are not aware how the batteries or, of your cell phone, how they are sourced, or the labor conditions under which your Apple phone is produced in China, for instance, if your consumer is not aware about bad work labor conditions, you cannot expect them to engage in responsibility. So that is maybe something that we have to look at. At the same time, I also think that we have to look at ourselves. Uh, not sure how, to, how it works with you, but I am involved in many projects uh, on responsible innovation. And you see that in the previous, let's say, five to ten years, a lot of social scientific research was dedicated to responsible innovation. While you could say, was that the best strategy? Because what you get is all kinds of models, frameworks to take to govern innovation processes, but you do not really engage with the engineers. Is it not much better to look at responsible innovation in a way that you really integrate the perspectives of the technical sciences or the technical R&D uh, mm -hmm. perspective or the economic perspective and the responsible innovation and to integrate it more. You see, for instance, in the European com community that nowadays with the new framework program for public research, uh, there is a lot of attention for the social aspect, but only if it's integrated in, for instance, biotechnologies or uh, energy technologies uh, that are developed. And I think that is a good way forward because it necessitates social scientists to work together with the engineers and also to experience what are the limits, for instance. So focus on actually applying and, and trialing and testing the theories and tools, correct? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is a tendency of uh, social scientists to come up with another theory or another model or whatever. And that is maybe something also that I can say why I think it is important to acknowledge also much more responsible innovation in industry is because an, a company is always thinking in terms of what will be the product. So if I innovate, it's not a research project, it's not an article or a patent, it's, it's the translation of this innovation in a product that I have to bring to the market. Even if a company is moving slow towards social responsibility, the social responsibility is translated in product requirements. And, and to give you an example, in the Netherlands, we have in supermarkets meat products with different stars. So no star is bio-industry and three stars is organic. But in between, you have all kinds of varieties with increasing animal welfare taken into account. What I think is great is that even if you are in favor of organic foods, if you look at the net profit in animal welfare, if a supermarket is selling only one star or two star meat, then you have an, an significant increase in responsible behavior and a scientist like me or a social scientist who is talking about responsibility can never achieve such an amount of net profit in animal welfare for instance mm. so that is why i also think we have to work together with companies because they can translate it in products that can be sold to the market
But in that example, did the supermarket make the choice or was that a regulation? Yeah, so no, no, it's not a regulation. So it is a very interesting case because it also shows how pragmatism and ethics can meet. Uh, because let's take this example, you have bio-industry meat and you have organic meat. Now, organic meat is often too expensive. And a supermarket said, okay, we see a niche in the market for a new variety, which is in between. We did market research, uh, and we think that we can pay X percent more than regular meat. And so, for instance, I don't know the exact percentage, but it should be not high, too high because then nobody will buy it anymore. They knew what premium they could pay for this meat. And then they said to also NGOs of animal welfare, our university as an innovate doing research on this, this is the premium that we want to pay. And uh, you can translate it in all kinds of animal welfare measures. That's up to you. But we, this is the market that we see in front of us. Then you see that a market or a company is really thinking in terms of, can we sell it? And if we cannot sell it, we do not engage. And then, of course, if you have, you know what is this premium, yeah, you can say, okay, I have more chickens or less chicken on the square meter, and I can calculate what will the effect on the cost price. So it sounds like perhaps a better way of doing things is actually identifying who would make the most difference in society. So for example, supermarkets might be a key node where a small decisions they make will make a huge difference. Let me school, for example. So it sounds like one way to help drive responsible innovation is actually identifying who those key influencers are and then starting with them. And then they can actually help push awareness of responsible innovation, at least from the consumer citizens perspective. Is that, what do you think? So till now, we discussed, let's say, the, the bright side of life, eh? the opportunity that responsible innovation uh, provides for market actors. And they like, of course, opportunities that they can make money with and be responsive. Eh? Nobody can be against a win-win in this regard. While we also have to be fair that there are conflicts. There are conflicts between an economic logic or an economic way of thinking and this social way of thinking or sustainability. And they are also competing. This example of the supermarket sounds great. And I like the example. And I can also give other examples in this area. But the reality is also that we, for instance, in Europe, obesity is also a huge problem or diabetes type 2. You cannot blame one actor for that, but you can say the food industry has a responsibility in the changing diets and also is one of the causes of these public health issues. And do we expect now from these industries themselves to change voluntarily? We did a lot of experience with that also in the Netherlands. Or is it the case that we in the end say have to say if there are conflicting values, then political domain has to intervene with new rules and regulations. So I believe that there is a way of self-regulation, for instance, by companies engage in responsible action voluntarily. But in case of high pressure, high competition, it is sometimes also necessary that political domain makes a decision and enforces changes, enforces responsible innovation in this regard. Other cases, and it can be general, the companies that you think are doing a great job in terms of responsible innovation? 
maybe I can give the example of, uh, yeah, so, so we, I'm from the Netherlands and the Netherlands is great in food, food production. And uh, I'm also working at an university in the life sciences with a large uh, network in agricultural and food production. So that, that is also a little bit the area where my examples come from. This societal problem is obesity and diabetes type 2. And the Dutch government enforced or said to the, the food sector in the Netherlands, you have to innovate for public health. So we have to reduce sugar, salt, and fat in products in order to do something about it. And if you do not do it, we will come with new rules and regulations, so to speak. So years ago already, the industry took the initiative to collectively reduce salt, fat, and sugar. Now, is this a responsible innovation? I would say, of course, it's not ideal, but it is a good example of where the industry took responsibility for public health. Why? Uh, what is the problem? Also, your audience will recognize this. You can change the recipe or you can change your product, but for instance, by reducing salt, sugar, and fat, but then the product will be less appealing for the consumer and they will go to your competitor. That makes you reluctant to change. Mm. Now, if you make a label, that is what developed a few years ago in the Netherlands and in Europe, I, I guess this worldwide nowadays, and, and a process yearly basis, you have to innovate in a way collectively to lower the amount of sugar, salt and fat of different product categories. Mm. And, as, and if you then comply with this, you receive a stamp of better health or better food or something like that. And that is an, a way to circumvent this competitive issue of one actor taking responsibility while another is taking advantage of it because there is a large share of the market of products that all engage in it or in the majority engage in it. And then collectively you can take responsibility. There are many things that can be said also in a negative sense because of course you can argue what did it help in obesity, for instance? But I see that as a positive example of how companies can take responsibility and also can take responsibility in their innovation process. Because in a way, in this innovation process, the products have to be developed, are tasty in the case of food, that are appealing, but at the same time are more healthy. Hmm. And I think it goes back to the point you made earlier, which is focusing more on the rewards approach rather than the negative approach. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just want to understand if as a company, I'm looking at my options and here I see B Corp certification. I see that there's sustainable goals from the UN and I have social enterprise, responsible innovation. There's so many different choices. How do I know responsible innovation is the is a better approach that suits me the best versus something else. Yeah, I tend to look at responsible innovation as a process. It would be great if a company says, I want to contribute to one of the sustainable development goals. I think that's, uh, that's great. But the main question is, how the hell are we doing that? Mm -hmm. do we, uh, how do we achieve this? Because a sustainable development goal is a goal. How do we engage in a process of our innovation that also provides process requirements or input in the process to get to this goal. And I think that responsible innovation should not necessarily be a sort of stamp like the sustainable development goals, but should provide insights. And in, for instance, we have to anticipate future impacts. 
that is a way to operationalize if we have a goal, right, freedom from hunger, for instance, a way to say, okay, we have to anticipate in our innovation process what are possible positive contributions of our product, but also what are possible negative contributions of our product. For instance, if we are talking about drought-resistant seed products, uh, you can say, yeah, we contribute to the sustainable development goals because if we export them to Africa, for instance, we have to deal with uh, increasing climate change impacts, then we can increase food production. But then the question is, and that is where responsible innovation comes in, do these people in Africa then, if we export it, really benefit from this innovation? Or do we make them much more dependent because they cannot afford the seed? Do we make them uh, dependent on us? Then we can ask ourselves the question that is more reflection. What is our actually purpose? Is our purpose also to help these people? Or is it in the end just to make money? And then a drought-resistant seed variety is making farmers in Africa more dependent on us. And that is just serving the business case. That is the type of reflection that you want to have in case you engage you with a responsible innovation. And it is all focused on the sustainable development goal, zero hunger, something in this, this area, direction, but it doesn't say anything, this sustainable development goal, about the way to get there uh, or the reflection on possible negative impacts of your innovation. Mm. So that is where I see the contribution of responsible innovation and whether you are a B Corp or Rainforest Alliance uh, or a fair trade company, it is not only about the tick box that you have to fulfill in order to get a stamp for fair trade. That's great. It's also about the process and the process requirements and their responsible innovation come, can contribute. Are there companies that are out there that are just hopeless <laughs> that responsible innovation cannot help? Earlier, you asked me, what are the three questions that you would ask me? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and then my first question, question was about motivation. So, and, and that's not only about responsible innovation, but also about CSR or ethics in business ethics. From an economic perspective, you have to acknowledge, I, I, I think, that ethics or responsibility comes with a price. So if you are working in, an, in a sector with very low margins, of course, it will be more difficult to take uh, responsibility because uh, in the end, if you really want to make a significant contribution, it comes with a price. And of course, social responsibility cannot come at the complete expense of the economic competitive advantage because then the company goes bank bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So in these type of situations, I would expect that responsible innovation is less easy to achieve or in a situation where there is a high competition between uh, a few actors in a field, there are ways to circumvent it. But normally for all innovative or R&D companies, there is room for improvement. That is the, the nice thing of innovation. There's always room for economic development, for technical development, and also for social development, I would say. We are living in a world which is continuously changing, and businesses are very good in taking advantage of this changing environment. Now, this changing environment can be the university providing new product or inventing new things or researching new things. It can be society or new phenomena popping up in city centers. And I think that successful companies are pretty well capable to be responsive to 
all these types of changes that emerge in society. My own experiences, for instance, and that is also how we, for instance, help companies, is that there is um, funding for startup companies uh, in new technology-based firms. The funder of these startups required that also the social and ethical aspects were taken into account. So what we did is that in the startup phase of the, the company, we discussed with these business owners and the R&D employees uh, about the social and ethical aspects involved in their innovation. Mm -hmm. And we have a particular approach. There are many approaches. It's not that we are, we are not superstars in it, but it works for us to assess what are these uh, risks that are involved what is the potential social value that can be added? What are barriers? Eh? What are legitimate barriers to engage in it? And, how, and whether there are, for instance, ways to solve it. So that is how we approach it and where we see also benefits of response innovation. And we didn't encounter a case where nothing was possible. So I'm thinking about, say, a company like Facebook. At this point in their life cycle, can they actually make significant changes to address those issues because it's business model it's one of the the core issues isn't it so i guess maybe this is a lesson that this is why you should do responsible innovation earlier so you don't get to this point but say if they approach to you for example then what would you what can you do what can they do yeah so that is also a tricky question of course uh, let, let me first say, because that's in, in, in case of Facebook interesting, if you ask company owners what could be a motivation for them to engage in responsible innovation, then one of the answers that is of, often mentioned is to prevent regulation. Eh? Because as a company, you want to, to have a freedom to operate and to innovate and to do your business the way you want. You Normally, you don't like rules or regulations if you are a business owner. And one of the ways to prevent new rules and regulations and you, in the case of Europe, the European Commission coming up with all kinds of new rules and regulations uh, in case of Facebook uh, and other social media companies is these companies say we take our responsibility in order to prevent rules and regulations. So that is the first thing that you can mention. The second thing is that I would not see my role as sort of external advisor of Facebook saying, hey guys, this is the way forward. I would try to stimulate a reflective process in which we can build on their own knowledge and their own values. And because I am an ethicist, so to speak, I do not have the technical knowledge of what is possible. So if I say that responsible innovation is opportunity driven, then this is a partly an economic opportunity, a partly a technical opportunity. Now, I would be interested in the, in the engineers. Is it possible to design algorithms in a different way so that we can both serve societal needs or demands and economic demands because everybody understands that a company like Facebook that there is a money-making machine behind it and it's not people are normally not against the fact that a company is making money but to give the example of WhatsApp for instance WhatsApp decided to change the business model or to violate some privacy rules and what happened is that many consumers that were with WhatsApp left and went to Signal. So it is also sometimes the case that a company should take responsibility into account to safeguard their market share. And WhatsApp is a good example for a, a economic motivation to engage in responsible innovation because there is also a risk that at a certain point, people will say, 
okay, I had enough. Now I stop with this social media company. So it can be an internal commercial motivation to engage in responsibility. It can also be, uh, for instance, you can imagine that if you realize that you were not aware that you influenced political elections as a social media company, I can imagine that the company also feels the moral obligation to prevent that in the future. I don't have the impression that this morality is at stake at this moment with Facebook, but I would expect that although I want to make money, there are certain certain things that I don't want to contribute to because I like to live in a free democratic society, for instance. And it can also be that you try to prevent rules and regulations, which will come anyway if you engage in, in this irresponsible behavior, like in case of Facebook. Hmm. Is there something that I should have asked, but I haven't? <laughs> um, uh, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe a critical question about responsible innovation. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm reflecting on is, is, let's say we have now 10 years of responsible innovation. And in the meantime, in society, we had the US elections, we had the scandal with Cambridge Analytics. We live in a period of time where the trust in science is decreasing. And then you can wonder if the intention behind responsible innovation was to make science and innovation more responsive to societal needs. And at the same time, you see in our society a shift in the trust in science and in what is called post-truth. And you see that populism, at least in Europe and also in the United States, uh, is increasing. Then you can also critically ask yourself the question, did we now prevent something in this? Did we willingly or unwillingly contribute to this societal development? What is our responsibility as a research community in innovation that we were not able to prevent this? And would you have any answers or? <laughs> yeah, so, there, so uh, uh, no, I don't have an answer <laughs> yet, but you can ask yourself the question, if responsible innovation is an approach which is relatively bottom up, uh, so you uh, facilitate companies or researchers to engage in responsible innovation, you build on the own motivation and the own interest of actors or agents to engage without enforcing them to do so without new rules or regulations, I start to wonder whether this approach, this bottom-up approach is sufficient if it comes to responsibility. And it is great, can give good examples of ways that companies or societal actors take responsibility. So I don't want to downplay the positive things, but if you evaluate and look at it, let's say from a little bit more distance, and then you can say, yeah, the effects of this bottom-up approach are not too significant, so to speak. So maybe we need a more balanced approach in which bottom-up and top-down approaches of new reg rules and regulations are more in balance. That is the obvious answer, I would say. Hmm. That's super interesting. And I hope that, well, my hope is that if responsible innovation is done right and it's done by more people as part of the innovation culture, then it could be one of the core things that can help to build trust between companies with society. Yeah, so 
Yeah. Super interesting yeah. for the discussion. And thank sure. you so much for sparing much more time than we allocated. <laughs> really appreciate it. And I really hope that we can get to have a chat again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.